morning and turn with me to the New Testament, to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8. We're going to be here just for a short moment just to introduce our subject that is at hand. And then if you will, take your Bible and turn to John chapter 14. Romans chapter 8. John chapter 14. We've been taking the time to look through the book of Genesis and uh, talking about God's creation. And as we understand God's creation to be broken up, basically three parts to testify of the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we know that in the beginning, constituting time, God created time. And the Bible says that He created both heaven and earth. Our focus has been on the subject of heaven. And moments like these, it does our heart a great deal of joy to uh, consider, to ponder, to look at, and to think what is in store for us throughout eternity. It's not only that we are going to die and go to heaven, but as we understand the Bible, and I want you to think about the scriptural context of what heaven is. We have John chapter 14, in my father's house are many mansions. We have Revelation chapter 21, where this new Jerusalem coming out of heaven, down to earth. And then if we go to the book of First and Second Peter, the Bible speaks about a new heaven and a new earth. God destroying the old with fervent heat, burning it up. And so this thought of just you and I going to heaven is more to it than probably what we really think. Uh, I love the Apostle Paul, and as you go to the book of Ephesians, he speaks about the thought that we are heavenly people. Uh, in fact, I'll just read it to you. You don't need to turn unless you want to, but uh, for sake of context, Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible says in verse 1, And you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. Where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace. You are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together where? In heavenly places. We know that the body of Christ has an eternal destination and that is in heavenly places. And yet the thought of eternity and as we look at God's dwelling place with mankind, He being their God and they being His people, uh, this thought that we find in the book of Revelation, just the beauty of this new Jerusalem and this city. And now... Uh, this concept as we kind of evolve all of those things into John chapter 14. I pray that the dots would be connected in your mind, your thoughts. And uh, as we go to the subject of heaven, uh, we want to first start in the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and we'll look in verse 17 and verse 18. If you find it, say amen. The Bible says, And if children... Then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Our Heavenly Father, we come to You in the precious name of Jesus, Lord. We pray that you would anoint our mouth, Lord, touch this tongue. I pray that the coals of the 
fire of God's throne would be upon my mouth, as the Bible says in the book of Isaiah, in the year that King Uzziah died, that Lord, you touched his unworthy lips to speak forth the truth of God's word. Lord, I pray that your word would rejuvenate each and every spirit that is here. Lord, there's a multitude of problems in our world. There's a number of iniquities. Just sin is abounding left and right. And yet we cannot help but to promote and proclaim and to ponder on the grace of God. Lord, today, what a great privilege it is to be able to saturate our thoughts with heaven. Lord, this eternal resting place throughout thousands and thousands and thousands of years, Lord, to be your people. Lord, we have that privilege not only then, but now we stand before you as your son, your people. God, we pray that you bless your word. Teach your people, encourage us, help us. If there's one here that's lost, that does not know you, Lord, heaven is real as much as hell is real. And Lord, I pray that you would win that person to your grace, your glory, and your honor. We love you in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you will, take your Bible and turn with me to the old passage, familiar to our hearts, John chapter 14. And really, as we think about heaven this morning, I want to give you just some very practical truth here. Uh, just to kind of beat upon the drum once again this morning. Uh, probably today, Lord willing, will be the close of heaven. Then we'll be talking about earth and then going to Genesis specifically and looking at different parts of day one, day two, day three and talking about God's creation. But uh, to kind of end this on a high note, as heaven is no doubt far above this world and it's definitely heavenly and lofty. And uh, I think that this passage, it definitely brings a great deal of comfort it brings a great deal of encouragement. brings a great deal of hope. And if there's anything that we have to look forward to, it's eternity with God. And uh, in my own personal belief, as I study the Bible, I do feel that this is in correlation with Revelation in the thought of this new Jerusalem. And yet as a member of uh, the body of Christ, both Jew and Gentile, in this dispensation of grace, all Scripture is given to us. It's not all for us, but we can glean and uh, as we think about eternal home, there's a lot of wonderful truths that can be applied uh, to our life. All of this revolves around verse number 5. You know verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. But then we come down to verse 5. And here's the pinnacle of where the tip of the spear or sword, it really lies. Especially in the heart of Thomas. And Thomas is no doubt a doubter. That's all he was. Then at this point, maybe uh, in many of your hearts and lives, maybe a few here this morning, there's a number of people here. It could be that there's one that is a doubter. Similar note to Thomas. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest. How many people today disbelieve in heaven? They might think that there's some kind of fuzzy thought about heaven, but not in a tangible way. Let me just remind you that heaven is a real place. It is a real place. And Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. What we find in verse 5 and verse 6 revolves around the subject of God's glory. Have you ever thought about God's glory? The glory of God? God's glory is the unifying goal throughout history. It has been the prime uh, focus of God's attention. God's glory is the goal of all things. 
God's glory is the source, the sum of all full and lasting joy. It is the answer to every question. It is the hope to every darkness and, and gloomy day. It is the light, and the, the sunshine that rays through, through, through the windows of our soul that pierces uh, our life and gives us hope. And Thomas, he didn't know much about the glory of God. The glory of God is, number one, revealed to man. Number two, the glory of God is the standard for our conduct. Number three, the glory of God is the supreme purpose for our life. Number four, the glory of God is seen by faith. And then number five, the glory of God is something that we all have come short of. You remember Romans chapter 3 and verse 23? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. At this point in Thomas's life, He's asking the right questions, but he's still a great way from God. As close as he was physically, he was so far inwardly. You may be here in the right place this morning in church on a Sunday morning wanting to know more about God, wanting to have a relationship with God, but not knowing Christ as your personal Savior. And this is the, the, the prime uh, focus of our attention. This is the first place that we have to go to I love verse 1. He says uh, in verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. We love that statement. Let not your heart be troubled. Are there a lot of hearts troubled this morning? Absolutely. You can't make this statement without ending the sentence in your life. If you want your heart not to be full of trouble, then what's the end of the, the sentence? Ye believe in God. And believe also in me. If you want trouble to be removed from your life, if you want happiness and joy in your life, if you want satisfaction in your life, then you have to have that relationship. And not just a salvation experience, a one-time fling. I'm talking about something that's everlasting, something that's with you, something that's in you, something that you desire, as Pastor Tyler spoke last night in the men's Bible study, as the heart painted after the water brook. So my heart, so my soul, so my inward being longs after thee. We see heaven uh, in John chapter 14 on a number of different uh, occasions, different ways. And, uh, you know, again, um, do you want to go to heaven when you die? Absolutely. But the way to get there is by being a Christian. By being a believer. You know, today you have to give definition of what a Christian is because everyone, especially in the Western Hemisphere of the world, is a Christian associated in that group. And it's a, a smorgasbord. It's, it's, a, it's a collaboration. It's a, it's a whole genre of different uh, groups and sects and people and, and ideologies and philosophies and different doctrines. And, and yet that does not make you a Christian. They called them Christians first at Antioch. But why? Because... They wanted to be an imitator of Christ, looking like Christ, longing to be with Christ, desiring that relationship uh, to mimic and imitate and look the part. Thomas wasn't, if you will, at this point a Christian. We know that terminology does not come along until the book of Acts. And yet there's that similar thought even in the life in the day of Thomas, one that would believe in Christ as being the Messiah that would follow Christ. And here he is still doubting, still not knowing. He says in verse 7, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us. So it wasn't only Thomas, it was also Philip. Birds of a feather flock together. 
there's a lot of people confused about who God is and what truth really is and where you can find it. And uh, so we see Philip. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. There's a spirit of doubt. We need to see it to believe it. And Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me? You know, people have been married 10, 15, 20 years, still don't know their spouse. And yet here, here, here he is with the Son of God, with the Messiah, with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he doesn't know him. Philip, where have you been? In one ear and out the other. It's, it's amazing to me that when we stand before God, there's going to be a multitude of so-called people, Christians, that went to church and they've heard the preaching of God's Word. They've, they've seen uh, God's hand of mercy and grace, and, and yet they've never believed. They want to get heaven on the coattail of mom and dad or just by being a good person. And yet there's more to this thing. He said, show us the Father and it suffices us. What you need to believe. I tell you what I need to believe. The Bible says it, so I believe it. Amen? And here we have that same thought. He said, I've been with you this entire time and you don't know? Verse 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that believeth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for every work's sake. The works that I do, the miracles, they testify of who I am, uh, uh, Philip and Thomas. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall... He do because I go to my Father, and whosoever uh, and and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Man, just a lot of doubting here, a lot of doubting, and we understand dispensationally as we come to the Bible. There's a number of uh, historical things there that's not for this dispensation of grace that we live in. As uh, um, uh, as he covers basically verse twelve down through about verse fifteen and on, but the prime example and the point that we're trying to drive across is still a similar note. To get to heaven, you have to believe in Christ. You have to believe in Christ, Lord. I know I'm a sinner, and I'm sorry for my sin. My sin has put distance between you and I, and Lord. I'm grieving over my sin. It's not chewing bubble gum and grinning from ear to ear with a heart of, of uh, 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 making light of what Jesus has done at Calvary. You can't come uh, to, to this altar and accept Jesus on the cuff or on the whim as if it doesn't mean anything to you. It has to mean something to you. There's a lot of people that wrote their name down on a church little 4 by 5 card at the front of the altar and they're no more saved than the Pope. And it doesn't mean it doesn't. You can have your name on the membership of four different churches if you wanted to. My dad was a member of the Presbyterian Church, the Church of God Church, the local Baptist church, and he said he was still on the road to hell. The church roll doesn't mean the same as the roll in heaven. Amen. And here we have this beautiful picture of comfort. I want to just break it down in three categories to you this morning, for you this morning. And uh, again, as we think about all of this, it's possible because you and I, we become Christians. Number one, there's the salvation of the Christian. Number two, there's the stand of the Christian. 
Number three, there's the sufferings of the Christian. Number four, there's the strength of a Christian. And in my heart sometimes, it does me a great deal of good to find that strength. And the strength is in the Bible. Have you ever been weak and weary? Have you ever been tempted? Have you ever been led astray? You know, it does our heart a great deal of good to go back to John 14 and to allow this to resonate in our soul this morning. Verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. In a world, less, the last two days have stayed up till 1, 1.30 in the morning just watching the news and all the riots and chaos breaking out everywhere and police officers and National Guard and at the White House. Two nights ago I watched and these mob of people, uh, the Secret Service had a wall of 20 to 50, 70 men and they were forcing this mob of people and the mob was taking bricks. Hey, we live in a world where they're taking bricks and throwing it Throwing it out into, into a group of innocent men and busting their heads in and and and, and all kinds of stuff. And, and we live in a world of trouble. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Isn't it good to know this world is not our home? It could be tomorrow, it could be today, it could be this week that the Lord returns. A lady to me, uh, said to me the other day, she said, well, Pastor, uh, uh, you know, she's a Christian, and I was doing work for her up in Sanford. She knows I'm a pastor. She's Pastor Nathan. I know that uh, they've been talking about the Lord's return for years. And I, I, I don't know if he's going to come back now or not. And, she, and, and I get that, and I agree with her. But the way she said it wasn't, Almost in the spirit of disbelief. You know how people sometimes, you know, it's true what she said, but it's almost as if she's not looking, as if she's not awaiting, as, as if she's not longing for that. And, uh, uh, you know, we were here at the men's Bible study last night, the other day, we were talking about just uh, all the things that are going on and, and just how the signs, you see so many different things that doesn't, around us that are happening that doesn't prick your heart as a child of God, as a Bible believer. To look to the clouds, to, to, to think about these things at least. We know He's coming. He's coming soon. And, and this morning it does our heart good as we think about these things. Because it removes the trouble. It removes the fear. Don't be motivated by fear. And it's natural to be afraid. These Christians that say they're not afraid. Let not, it, you know, as the Bible says... Uh, uh, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but the power of love and sound mind. That doesn't mean that we're not afraid sometimes. We're not invincible. You know, the, the virus does attack Christians. You know, it, you, but the joy here is that we don't have to allow this in our spirit to take the reality of heaven away from, from the joy of our salvation. We are not ending in the ground. Life is not over at the day at, at, at your death date. There's a place that we have to look forward to. I want you to look with me here uh, in verse number one. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. I want you to underline that last phrase, believe also in me. Today we're talking about the hope of heaven. And I want you to notice, number one, we find the thought of our help. Our help is in Jesus. It always has been. It always will be. Our help is 
Jesus Christ. And, and no one else. Every good and perfect gift cometh where? From above. If God would intervene in some supernatural way in your life, whether it be through medicine, maybe uh, a child somewhere in Indonesia in a village received medication for uh, some kind of bodily injury or even here in the States. That is God's goodness in your life, in that person's life. Everything that we have in life that God that, that, that is of a blessing, that is God's doing. Does it not sunshine on the just and the unjust? God loves each and every person and we find that God is the help for our life. He is the help. We also find in this passage, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. It's not only the help that we need, but it's the peace that God gives. To be still and know that I am God. To go through a world of chaos and men despise you, despitefully use you, and yet it's because they hate Christ and therefore they hate Christians. And yet to to, to bear those burdens. Again, let me remind you of what Romans uh, says. Romans chapter 8, as we read it just a few moments ago. He says in verse 17, And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, then, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. This is a moment this moment's going to pass quickly, sooner than we think. It's going to be over. And what we have to look forward to is heaven. Have joy in your heart. Have peace in your heart. Have purpose in your heart. Know that God is trying to do something in your life. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. There's peace. You know, I, I told Brother Tim Rommel last night that I, I was grateful as I've just been watching um, the news over the last few days of living in a country setting. Grateful for that. You know, it, it, uh, it could it could have been. You know, I, I didn't have to. God, God, God's goodness is in my life when He allowed me to be raised in a Christian home. God's goodness is is uh, uh, in our life to be able to allow us to to come to church. This is God's goodness to have clothing on our back, to have food in our bellies, to have a job. You know, someone, uh, my uncle, he was talking to me the other day, and he's lost. He, he and my aunt Joy, they're lost and sweet people, and they've been uh, out of a home for probably eight months. Their house burned up this past November, and uh, for the last few months, they've been building this new home. And praise the Lord, he's really excited. And uh, we were talking on the phone. He, he's, he's got a neighbor that's allowed. He and his wife to live in a trailer rent free for all of these months. It's been a blessing to them, just a, such a blessing. And uh, he said, "We're so excited." And she was talking about the colors of paint on the walls and all these decorations, the things that she's been doing in the home, and just really excited. And then they said, "But Nathan, you know, there's a lot of people that's worse off than we are. It's you know, you can find someone stronger than you if you look around." find someone worse than you if you look around. And through all of that, I have to say 
that what we need to do, as Paul said, is to be content whatever state that we are and to thank God for His goodness in our life. And this is a passage that brings joy back to our heart. Peace. Number two, if you look in verse two, my father's house are many mansions. We see, first of all, the help, but we see, second of all, the home. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. Many. Under the umbrella of God's home. His provision. I go, I go to prepare a place for you. This is God's doing. All because of God. Throughout eternity. All because of Christ. What Christ has done for us and in us. And yet there's an eternal home. Not only... Is there new peace in verse 1, but there's a new place in verse 2. Can I just remind you that we are talking about global warming. We're talking about World War III. We're talking about uh, constant chaos, racial issues. We're talking about disease. We're talking about a limitation, deforestation, a limitation with food, uh, a lack of pure oxygen. And so I've been to uh, Beijing where literally they wear masks 24-7, and it's not because of a virus, it's because of the air pollution in that city with so many thousands, millions of people. And 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 even scientists are talking about global issues, how uh, the greatest thinkers of our world are thinking that we have to go outside of this earth to, to, to a uh, planted planet to find some kind of hope for humanity and the survival of humanity. This is not anything new to any of us. We've heard this stuff for the last 5, 10, 15 years, right? I mean, I remember when I was a, a child, uh, about your age, and they were talking about uh, uh, rain and that rain uh, rain pollution and uh, whatnot. And I was just in 4th or 5th or 6th grade. So this stuff is evolving. And yet the hope that we have is that we have a new place. God is going to burn this world to the ground. You know, and when you when you go up to Sanford uh, Lake, you see the devastation that is up there. Uh, my wife has a friend. We have a friend, and uh, her name is Veronica, and her aunt owns a party store, uh, and that party store was submerged under muck and water, and uh, the lady said that she had roughly $3,000. Can you imagine this? In top hands that she had to return, I guess, either to Coke or Pepsi or to whoever, whatever vendor, and it was all filled with mud and water for the last few days, taking $3,000, those cans dumping all that junk out, and uh, ruined milk and butter and all kinds of uh, alcoholic beverages, busted cans and whatnot everywhere. Hey, we're going to be in a place that God has prepared and will make and will be seated out in as we are in the heavenlies. What all that even means, I can't even but imagine. And yet, it's not this place. It's not this world of imperfection. It's not this world of, I have to put locks on my doors. Why wouldn't you want to go to heaven when you die? Why would you want to stay here? And then the other side of the coin is people say, I I'll see you in hell. Who would want to go to hell? It doesn't make sense. But it is a new place. I get excited about vacations. Do you guys get excited about vacations? Does mom and dad let you jump on the, uh, on the bed in the hotel room? They don't. 
we let our kids be perfect on our bed. You know, <laughs> you can jump for a little <laughs> But do you get excited when you're a little? You're a good mother. I'm not a good dad. <laughs> Do you get excited about vacation? Would you like to go to Disney World? Tell your dad to take you to Disney World when they open up. Woo! Amen. Well, get the kids the puppies. Hurry up. Hey, those are good places. Those are very good places. Do you get excited when you go to a place like You know, we were, we, we, everybody's been stuck, if not at home, around home. You might be able to go to work, but it's still not the same, being able to go out to eat. Or, um, my wife said, I don't really want to go shopping, but I want the choice to be able to go shopping or not to be able to go shopping. I'm like, stop lying. You've been shopping for the last three weeks online. I've seen Amazon vans pull up in my house. You sent me. You showed me a picture with uh, two of them, I think, in the front of my house the other day. She's been lying to me. She was she going shopping whether or not they're open or not. But we went to um, Chipchuan two days ago. It opened up. We went to Chipchuan. Let's go. Let's take Caleb, Noah. We're gonna take Caleb to the shop. We're gonna we're gonna go. That was <laughs> But on the way there, we were excited. We were excited. We were so excited. Caleb's jittery. He's talking. Noah's back there laughing. We call him jittery and just talking. Just excited. You know, we're checking it out. We're humming and having a good time. And everybody's, ooh, we're out of the house. We're going as a family. You know, we're not working today. We're just going to have a good day. Beautiful sunshine. And we're going to enjoy this place. We've never been there. We've heard so much. We're going to go spend some money, you know, at a flea market. And my boys, what's a flea market? Well, there's a lot of fleas there, a few markets, and we're going to have some good times, right? And we get there, we're so excited, and quickly our demeanor changes. So Benjamin is running around, and Bella is running around, we're chasing everybody, and everybody's looking at us. So Benjamin is saying, fan, 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 green fan, new fan. We went into this booth uh, with the flea market, and they had, they had like ear fans, and all of their fans were so old that the blades were bent down. He said, fan, sad fan, sad fan, sad fan. And everybody's looking at us. On the way back, we weren't so excited about going to Chipchuana. What did we just do? I think we were more excited to go back home. But it's a new place. He said, my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so... Is Christ a liar? Does he tell the truth? If it were not so, I would have told you. We see this home. It's not just a mansion. He says, in my father's house. There's something about your house that's special. Your house that's special. Your house that's special. It doesn't make, matter if it's made out of brick. If it's an apartment. It doesn't matter if it's a four-bedroom home. Two-car garage, it doesn't matter if it has a swimming pool or not. Every person's home is unique, and there's memories in that home. 
in that table with your family sitting around enjoying that meal together. Can you imagine living in a huge mansion and it being empty and hollow and filled with all kinds of things but there's no life and joy? That's not what heaven is. It's, it's luxurious. I mean, we've read Revelation. This new Jerusalem coming out and it's made with gold and all these different types of uh, gems and the elaborate size and the walls and the grandeur of it all. But it's it's so homey and so warm and so quaint and so special because Christ is there. And he says it's a new place. It's a new sense of peace. It's a it's the help that we need in the home that we have. But then he says in verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. It's the new peace, the new place. There's the promise. There's the promise. And I think some Christians are kind of on the edge of this thing. And if I go and prepare a place for you, well, is he really going to come back? Wouldn't it be sad if he came back, but it says, and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also? He picked up your neighbor. He picked up your wife. He picked up your, your friend. You were left behind. This is the reality of what we're talking about. I don't know if you've thought about this concept here lately, but this is something on the on the edge of, of, of human history of what's going to take place. There's multitudes of Christians globally, even if they're not Baptist. And worldwide Christians being removed from this planet, caught up in the air. And then the graves that are going to be burst open. I really see it when I look at that whole event that these spots of ground, graves busted, busting open. Somehow God taking all of these as we return back to the dust of the ground. I don't know how he's going to do it. I'm not, number one, an earthly scientist, much less a heavenly scientist. I just believe. And he's going to reunite all of these body parts together. If Lazarus, you think about Lazarus. What happened to Lazarus when they put him in the grave? They probably embalmed him, didn't they? You ever thought about the organs that they probably took out of his body? You know, we kind of read that passage of Scripture. Come forth, Lazarus, and he came forth. There was a lot of unique stuff going on in that grave when the words of God came out of his mouth. And that blood came back instantaneously to his body. That lung filled with breath. That heart began to beat. And then the movement of that backbone and vertebrae and all of those legs and members just coming into play. And, and God bringing... There's going to be some unique things going on. He says, I will come again. I will come again. I, I'm not lying. This is not some kind of joke. I, this, is, this is the promise that we have. If you look in verse 4 through verse 6, and we'll close, here's the plan. We have the peace. We have the place. We have the promise. But we also have the plan. We see that Jesus is the help. Jesus has created a home. But we also know in verse 4 through verse 6 that Jesus is the hope. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Well, that's good to know, isn't it? 
Have you ever tried to follow someone that's kind of lead foot, and you're not so much a lead foot? You know, you're going 15 miles away, and they're getting on it. And you're thinking, I don't want to get pulled over. But you got to stay with them, right? It's good to have GPS. It's good to have that final destination, isn't it? He says, and whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know that thou, uh, we know not whether thou goest. How can we know the way? GPS, God's plan of salvation. Amen. Get on track. Punch in the right concordance. Not concordance, coordinates. The concordance is in the, in the Bible, the old back of the Bible. Amen. Verse 6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. What's the plan? There's three things about this plan, three questions that you need to ask. How can I be saved? And that's answered up by Jesus saying, I am the way. We look in verse 6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way. How can I be saved? Do you get that? How can I be saved? Verse 6. Verse 5. Lord, he's asking. You ask the question. You look for knowledge. If you want the light, God's going to give it to you. He's going to reveal it to you, is he not? You want a relationship with Christ? Come and dine. What did he say to the woman at the well? If thou would have knew who it is that asked thee to give me a drink of this water from Jacob's well, who I am, we'd have a different conversation. You know, even in our prayer life, I think sometimes we're limited in what God does in our life because we don't come to Him. We don't beseech Him. We think about it. We talk about it with other people. We might try to act upon it. But how long has it been since we've talked to God? Praying and asking and having faith. And Jesus said, I am the way. How can I be saved? Here's the way, Jesus. Here's the second question. How can I be sure? Jesus saith, I am the way, the truth. How can I be sure that heaven is real? Jesus said so. He's the truth. How can I be sure that, uh, that there's eternity and there's life after death? Jesus said so. He's the truth. How, how, can I, how can I rely upon the Bible? It's just a book filled with words. And there's lots of good principles. This is not just a book of words. It's the word of God. Jesus is true. How can I be sure? Three questions. How can I be saved? How can I be sure? And then third of all, how can I be satisfied? What does he say? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Life. There's a couple of ways you can think about the word life. Living. Be alive. What are we trying to end this heavenly note on? Just a glorious thought of what eternity is going to be like. I know that Jerusalem and earth in that eternal realm 
that new Jerusalem, new earth, and then that new heaven is going to be so miraculous and so unique, and the Jews being an earthly people, and their domain here, there, then, and we, as Paul says, in the heavens, already, look back at Ephesians chapter 2, look, look at this, this is our present condition, he says in Ephesians chapter 2, Look down in verse um, 4. But God who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace here saved, and hath raised us up, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's our present condition. Why? That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace, in His kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. That's future. The ages to come. The ages. The ages. The eons of time. Millenniums. Thousands and thousands and thousands. We're only going to live as long as God is going to live. And it's going to be in a place that's so different than this one. Father, we love You this morning. Thank You for Your Word. I pray that You would just encourage Your people. Lord, I know there's a lot of uh, concern about our country, concern about a virus, concern about jobs. Lord, I don't know how to effectively go about all of this. All I know that I really can do 100% for sure is love this book and lift this book up. That's why we're here. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us as Christians to be involved in our society. Lord, to uh, voice and to vote and to give a scriptural truth, opinion, truthful opinion according to the Bible. That's not just an opinion, but it's a fact. But I also pray that you would help us to, to be saturated in this time with your word. Lord, to long for you and love you and, and to think about these things. And Lord, as we think about just where we're at in our society, in our world, how it reminds us of what we see in the Bible, that we are seeing more and more signs of, of, of destruction and ruin and civilizations falling apart. And, and Lord, the only answer that's there is you. God, help us at work, help us in our subdivision, help us when we go out throughout the day at, at the stores or with friends and family to live righteous, to talk about godly things, to be, as the Bible says, that, that light in this dark world. We love you. Thank you for your people. We ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning. Amen. Everyone.